Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Roisin. And welcome to the Fitness Fertility Podcast. This podcast is all about how improving your physical fitness can help support you on your very own fertility journey. I'm a personal trainer who specialises in training women with fertility problems. I myself have PCOS and have had two beautiful boys, and I'm on a mission to help you do the same. Before we get into it, we will be discussing adult themes such as where do babies come from, pregnancy loss and bereavement. We may also be sweary from time to time. We are optimistic, light-hearted girls, but we know this is a really stressful time for some of our listeners. We respect that. Welcome to this week's show. I am so excited to welcome a very special guest and a very important person. This is Vicky Bonifay. She is CEO at Freedom Fertility Coach, and she is a fertility and emotional support therapist. Basically, she's an all-round awesome person. We met at the Fertility Show, so I got to know a little bit more about your story. And I have to say, it is very particular and actually quite an emotional story that you have, which I think has maybe led you to where you are today. So if you're comfortable doing so, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you've come to do the awesome work that you do? Yeah, sure. Thank you for having me on. It's an absolute honour to be here, actually, and have a chat with you all. For me, it started when I was quite young, terrible period growing up, and then eventually having a diagnosis of endometriosis and PCOS. Eventually had surgery to try and remove it a bit later on after I met my husband. So we started fertility treatment. Things were looking okay with scans and stuff. And actually, it did work pretty quickly, but unfortunately, it didn't last very long, and I had pregnancy loss quite early on. I did take a bit of a break then actually uh, just to let my body heal before I started back on the fertility treatment and we continued and the same thing happened again another pregnancy loss. This was over a course of a good few years really and it really interfered with every aspect of my life, my work. I think I'd lost countless jobs by that point just being completely unreliable I guess in their eyes. I then had uh, cancer cells which I had to have removed. I had cysts that I had to have removed after that, more endometriosis, and the years seemed to fly by really, bit by bit, constant operations, constant scans, and monitoring all the time. I started my first round of IVF thinking this was gonna be it. This is what I'd been waiting for. This is gonna be, this is gonna solve everything. Extremely naive, but very hopeful, of course. The first one didn't work, and I don't think I was ever ready for that at all I don't think it ever crossed my mind that it would fail so that was a big shock that was really really tough I did the next two sets of IVF back to back after that as soon as I failed booked straight in without hardly any break like a woman on a mission I think at that point it was only after my third IVF had failed it was a frozen cycle I'd had two fresh goes before that I just couldn't cope with it anymore that last frozen cycle I remember leaving the IVF clinic and just felt completely numb there was no grief. There was just nothing. So I did take a bit of a break. I remember them phoning me back up and saying, you know, are you ready to go again? And I just, before I could stop myself, I'd said no. I didn't want to say no, but I, I knew that I had to. I took a year out, actually, from all treatment completely. I had one last go of IVF. And actually, my mum had um, suggested that she could be a surrogate. Um, we started looking into that. At the hospital that I was being seen at, I paid privately to see someone to discuss the surrogacy. And he'd mentioned at that point, you know, there are a couple of other tests that we could do. They're very early on, you know, it's worth doing. I went for the test and it came back that I had really quite high natural killer cells. So he said it was pretty easy, steroids, 
put the surrogacy on hold and went for my last round of IVF after that break. And um, it worked. I don't think I believed it at all. Pretty excited, pretty happy, but then of course, very fearful and very anxious. Big mix of emotions there. I actually became really, really unwell with this pregnancy. I suffered with something called hyperemesis which is extreme sickness. It just knocked me sideways. I literally, I mean, I ended up in hospital for four months just on a drip and I was let out. I think it was the day before Christmas Eve. I'd woken up in the morning. I'd had a big bleed overnight. Being that it was just before Christmas, they'd shut the scan units. Said, look, we can't really tell if you're having a pregnancy loss, miscarriage or anything right now. You kind of have to sit this one out and wait. Um, and I was pretty frantic at that point, but I managed to get hold of somebody who worked privately in another hospital and he did call through and book the scans for Christmas morning. They opened the scan unit, said, just get down there as early as you can. Actually, they found both heartbeats. Yeah, a bit of a journey. <laughs> How long did it take you from point of let's have a baby to you having your twins? I think really it was a 10 plus year fertility journey. I think you were so brave to take that year out. Yep, I agree. Because so many women are just, we are on the clock here. We don't have time for emotion. We don't have time to stop. We don't have time. We just plow on and plow on and plow on. I was relieved for you that you took that year. But it had to be hard, though. It had to be hard to take that year. It was really hard, actually. It was hard, particularly at the beginning, I think. And then towards the end of that year, I guess I was getting itchy feet again to get going. I started looking into um, other holistic therapies around me. So I started being quite proactive then. And I've made this decision. What can I do then to try and help myself? What can I do to support myself? Wasn't anything really like coaching in those days. You had counselling and I'd dabbled in that a little bit. So I did reflexology. I started doing a bit of fitness as well. Nutrition. I started looking into all the other ways I could support myself. And I kind of felt then I was ready after that you started on the holistic journey rather than it just being the kind of biological one which is so so important unfortunately you had to figure that out yourself for the mental health obviously for the physical health your cell health your biological health i was struck by what you said about the nk cells the natural killer cells i think now there is a lot more known about that but that is a relatively recent thing and then the other thing that I was interested in was you kind of touched on the fact that you'd lost lots of jobs at this point. The reason I'm asking is I think it is so relevant because trying to manage a job, any job, and trying to go through fertility treatment loss, you know, NK cells, visits to Wanda, blood tests, every time you get a period, it's like a grief. It feels like you've had another loss. Would you mind just talking to us a little bit about how you managed the job situation and, and kind of what happened? At the time I was actually learning to be a teacher, there was just nothing in place. I relied on just having those conversations, having to be open and vulnerable and having those conversations with other staff members around me, but just always felt that there was that sense around that I was an unreliable person. They couldn't, effectively, they couldn't rely on me. It was really, really tough. I did lose a few jobs. Just having endometriosis and polycystic ovaries, extremely painful periods every month meant that I was just out of it. People don't recognise these things as chronic illnesses. No, they don't. If you had chronic back pain and went to your boss and yeah. said, look, I need to be worked out a couple of times a month. I need to go for a certain amount of scans. Everyone can kind of get that. But if you said, well, I've got really bad period pain, they'll be like, get back to work. 
Yeah. I think I kind of relied on maybe the fact that where our place of work was mainly women, that they would have that empathy almost, but there wasn't really a great deal of it at all. There was almost like, well, we all have periods. By the time I'd started IVF, I think I was well and truly quite used to it, unfortunately. I think the other thing with teaching is that they quite often say, listen, you get holidays every six to seven weeks. Can't you just have your appointments then? And you're like, unfortunately, my infertility doesn't follow um, the school academic year and my periods don't happen once every six weeks. I mean, they might do, but, you know, classically, that's not what happens. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was anyone in this situation, it is like a woman on a mission. It gets in your head. You cannot think of anything else. You're either dealing with physical pain, you're dealing with the emotional pain. How did this have an effect on your relationship? Did it have an effect? It was very, very tough. There were lots of moments where you're done talking. It's the same conversations. It's the same feelings. It's the same emotions. You're both going through it and you're both going through it separately, but together. Grief is quite weird like that. It is something that two people go through it together, but very, very differently. Communication was key and a level of acceptance as well. It's this waiting situation. And when I was looking through all your information and when we've chatted before, I know that you talk about this living in the wait. I kind of love that as a phrase. And I just wondered if you could tell us a little bit more about this idea. So the whole idea about living in the wait is very much about being fully present, living your life, doing the things, enjoying your social time, making the right decisions that feel right for you at the time, enjoying your relationships because they're so important to all of us, you know, every single one of them. And being able to go to work and have these things because there is no certainty of what's going to happen. Making sure that we are living in our lives, being fully present, trying to show people how to be emotionally in control rather than controlling our emotions means that they're able to take on this whole living in the way. That's a really nice way to put it. Because I think that philosophy would work 100% through infertility because even with me when I was taking the Clomid, it was like, I just need to know that the Clomid's going to work. And even when it works the first time, it might not work the second time. Because by this point, you've been hit with so much trauma. You trust nothing. You trust nothing. When you were talking us through your, you know, fairly horrendous 10 years, you just kind of casually dropped in, you know, through the conversation, as one does, that you also had a diagnosis of some cancer cells, you know, just to make things even harder for you. And then that got me thinking that there is some recent research that shows that being diagnosed with infertility can take a very similar toll on your mental health. What are some of the ways our mental health can be affected and what do you do now to support women? Yes, I did have cancer cells. They were pretty severe at the time and I had them removed. But you're right that the new research does show that on your mental health, the toll is likened to someone who's having a cancer diagnosis. Some of these bigger diagnoses is a bit like cancer, death, grief, loss, divorce even. These are big words that we hear quite a lot in our society. And I think with things like that, there's a lot of knowledge. And with knowledge, there comes a lot of support. And I think for infertility, there just isn't the same level of awareness. So unfortunately, the level of support out there is just not the same as someone who is going for a cancer diagnosis or divorce or death, for instance. There's not that level of support and guidance that we actually really need. It's really validating that that study has come out. I now support women with infertility. I do counselling and coaching, and it's a real unique blend between the two that has a lot of the talking therapies, a lot of the techniques and strategies in place. But then there is this coaching element that takes you from one place to another so that you're able to live in the weight. 
it's meeting women where they're at, being open and authentic and having those conversations. I run courses that are very specific in each module, usually take around 16 weeks. There's probably about seven modules altogether. So depending on the person I'm working with, we'll do different sessions around those modules. It must be incredibly reassuring for your clients that you really have such an understanding of this process. There is probably very little that they can bring to you that you either haven't experienced yourself or haven't heard about. The mantra of your therapies is to help them live in the weight. Is that what you're trying to help them do? The goal of the lady coming to me centred and focused around or navigating some of those big emotions. It might have been grief and loss as well. We just changed the focus, I guess, and we're putting that person back into their lives, reclaiming the joy, reclaiming everything that they had pre trying to conceive pre-infertility we work with the subconscious mind and we work with the feeling brain and i say work but i say that loosely because there's no work actually involved it's very relaxed very comfortable and ideally we get to a place where we we are friends that's how i'd like my clients to feel that we are we're, we're friends so when my clients come to me i think there is that big sense of relief actually that they can talk to somebody who really gets it i think the use of the word validating is just crucial here and I was speaking to a lady last night and in fact I've spoken to two women this week and both of them said no one believed them they were in like gynecologists turned them away so the lady I spoke to last night she said she'd been to two gynecologists they'd both turned her away and told her she was just imagining it and her friends were beginning to say look you're just looking for something wrong here her family did not get it even her husband was beginning to say, I don't think there's anything wrong here. And it wasn't until she, I can't even remember how she came. Oh, I think she got a recommendation. She did. She got a recommendation from someone. She went to see this guy. I think the recommendation had to come up at a dinner party. It was a complete fluke. This person then diagnosed severe endometriosis, wrapped around the bowel, wrapped around the uterus, wrapped around the ovaries. The relief she felt when someone believed her was the most validating thing. Something else you said that's so important is you've given them permission to live their lives again. With the burden of the fertility journey, my eating has to be good, my moving has to be good, my thoughts, I'm not allowed to get too stressed. I should be having a baby. I shouldn't be having fun. I shouldn't be wasting my time on extra things or, oh, this is just indulgent. Why are we going out? I should be on my game. And you're giving them permission to go back to their lives. There's a whole lot of shoulds. I think we live throughout that whole process with, I should be doing this or it should be me, or whatever it is, there's a whole load of shoulds in there. And I do try and remove those shoulds to a place of I want, and we really start to focus on what they want. And then I start helping them with how to make some of the decisions around the things that they want. So we use something called the sixth sense decision-making technique. And that really does, then after we've discussed and we've gone into depth and we've unraveled this overwhelm, we can then look at some of their wants and then we can show them how they can make the decisions about the things they want. So it is very clever in the way it's broken down. One of my clients at the moment, she's a very smart lady, she's a scientist and lots of job promotions were coming up and she wanted them, she really wanted them, but she felt like she should be focusing, de-stressing, focusing on trying to get pregnant effectively by not going for the promotions and not going for the things that she wanted caused more stress. And, you know, it became a bigger thing for her. So we discussed that, we unraveled it all. And she went for the job interview and she got the job and 
her life is just completely different. All the support that I didn't have, she does. And if I could just help that one lady, it would all be worth it. I can see you getting emotional talking about it. You know, I'm getting emotional. Roshan's getting emotional because I can see on your face that this work matters so much to you. And I have no doubt that the women working with you all benefit massively. Just based on everything you've just said, with all due respect to your clients, if you find this work quite triggering, because I know when I'm working with clients like you, I want the absolute best for them. But we have lived this journey, which means sometimes it can be quite triggering for me. And I just wondered, do you ever find this quite triggering on yourself? There is an element of that because I'm involved, I'm invested, I want the best for them. So when I hear people go through the pain, I want to go into fixed mode. Um, so I definitely feel that involvement. As far as triggering for me, so I now process my emotions in a very different way. I can process them in the moment. There's emotions that feel uncomfortable. They, they don't hang around for too long. How does it affect you? I think it's the surprise of it sometimes. Sometimes when you hear people's stories, like I have flashbacks to, I remember being given that news and I remember mm. the overwhelming, you know, the feeling, which I'm sure you do, where your heart drops out your feet. It's like they're on a roller coaster. And I don't get that yeah. in response to clients now, but I, I remember that feeling. It's not me reliving the same feeling, but I remember that feeling. Sometimes yeah. it just takes you by surprise. I think it makes me better at my job because of it. The other thing that you said that was really important was you processed your emotions quickly. And the word that is really important there, just kind of with my psychology head on, is the process. You didn't say, yeah. I shoved them down and I never thought of them, which, by the way, there is no judgment because, yeah. I mean, I, I am good at that. I would get like a gold star for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm on that. Not anymore, people. I'm healed and whole. I mean, if any of my family are listening to this, they're going to die laughing. But you have to process those pesky emotions. And fine if you do them quickly because you've learned how to do that. But you are still processing. You are feeling the feelings, even if they are just utterly horrible and horrendous. Yeah. So I teach my clients how to process their emotions. And it starts with the fact that all emotions are useful. None of them are good and none of them are bad. They're just all very useful. Some granted are much more uncomfortable than others, but they have all still got a real valid purpose and they all have a guide for us and they help us process those emotions if we listen to them. Sort of push on forward and keep going and just stay focused. And actually all you're doing is brushing them to one side and effectively what happens is they just keep knocking on your door and they get louder and louder. When you do finally become pregnant, their emotions are still knocking on the door. They are there in your next chapter and they layer upon layer. Then you've got a bigger healing journey to do. When you actually have children, now trying to process, I am going to swear slightly here, but trying to process your own shit when you also have children is a hugely important because you don't want to be passing that on but b it's incredibly difficult especially when they're young but it's really really important work you know with the best will in the world that we don't want to be doing that i missed out effectively on the girls when they were young because i carried this guilt mm. the guilt of my journey and how it impacted on them focus to get pregnant my absolute goal at the time felt my own selfish goal to get pregnant effectively ended up with them being premature instead of healing from that guilt instead of actually learning how to process it I did the opposite from it if I'm feeling guilty then I must do better I must be more show more give more do more and because I was hanging on to all of those emotions that were just banging on my door it's completely unprocessed so the healing has taken place and I can process the emotions in the moment. And now I teach my clients. So we do the healing part as well as the growing. You can't heal without the growth part. They go hand in hand. 
whatever they've learned throughout the fertility programs that I do with them, they take it on to all of their lives. Oh, Vicky, I could have done with you. How do people find you? Well, I am on Instagram, so it's uh, Freedom Fertility Coach Vicky. I have a website which is www.bonifoyfreedom.coach and my email address is freedomfertilitycoach at gmail.com. Vicky, genuinely, from the bottom of my heart and on behalf of Roisin's heart, because I can see it in her face, we are so grateful and we will put all your contact details in the show notes. Loved having you on the show. Thank you so much. So, Maria, what will we be discussing next week? I'm really excited, as always, but next week we are coming back to this issue of BMI. We've talked a lot before about how BMI is a very troublesome measure, but what we're actually going to do is flip it and say, well... Is there any use for the BMI measurement and what does it actually mean? So join us because it should be a different take on the whole BMI situation. So I can't wait to look at it. And nor can I. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Remember to subscribe to get a shiny new episode each week. And please rate, comment and really importantly share with your friends, especially of our trying to conceive sisters. You never know who's struggling and they may need that little bit of extra help. This may come as a surprise, but we are not doctors. We strongly recommend that you consult your doctor before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. Get everything checked out first. Your safety is our priority. This has been a Worth a Listen production.